Hey everyone, you're listening to the Drake Martinez Podcast. I'm your host, Drake, and today we're going to be talking a little bit about this idea of who broke America. Because someone did it. And uh, I'm not going to bury the lead. I think it was Obama. That guy was a jerk. We're going to get into that a little bit, but first I want to discuss some of the things that I learned about this week. Um, and... Some of the things that have been going on, because the last episode we talked about uh, the Republican Party and how the Republican Party is really just like this last bit of hope that we have. But I think what I've seen in the last couple of last uh, since then and up to this this week today is the, the 19th of November 2023 as I'm recording this and um there's quite a few there's quite a, a, new, a few new things that have happened that i think indicate that there is a big change happening there's a big change happening in the sense that i think i think a lot of people are waking up to the fact that the media is lying to you that's why podcasts are so important these days because people have more access to new information and information and not only information because information is is kind of useless if you don't have people to bounce the ideas off of and i think that is what has really been changing lately is ideas that were inaccessible and positions that people could take were that were taboo or shut down just a few years ago are breaking through and we're seeing that in all facets of life. We're not just in all different topics. We're not from COVID. It used to be the case that you get shut down and, and deplatformed and your life ruined if you said anything about a lab leak. I don't hear anybody talking about a lab leak these days. That's because it's pretty much been proven that, there's a, that there was a lab leak. So no one in their right mind would go against saying that at this point and then also like it, it doesn't matter if covid comes back no one's wearing the mask again and shame on all those people that were like hey you need to wear a mask and you need to get vaccinated and making other people's lives life decisions for them that's not your role and i think a lot of people are waking up to the fact that like hey look during that time those people showed the real dangers of like what the founding fathers were always talking about or how this country was designed to mitigate those effects because people have freedom of speech or they used to until the social, it got proven that the social media companies were um, working hand in glove with the government to make sure that people couldn't express their ideas. Well, all these things are coming out. And more and more people are waking up to it and understanding it. And they're really coming to grips with the fact that not only is the media lying to them, but it's typically the exact opposite of what they're pushing. So they're pushing, yeah, there wasn't, it wasn't a lab leak. You're crazy for thinking that to no one's even talking about that now. No one's apologizing. No one is saying like, oh, we, we were wrong. And let's talk about how... China is going to, you know, make up for the fact that they killed all these millions of people with their, you know, with their dangerous virus that was, you know, made in the lab and how it got about, you know, and 
you know, talking about like the tran the the transitioning um, things that have been going on with um, children, you know, where more and more people nowadays are coming out as uh, what they call like detransitioning, and they're suing the government and they're suing the medical doctors, uh, different governments, local governments, and suing the medical doctors um, for for putting them through that ordeal, and. Think of all the parents that are probably going to get sued by their own children for allowing their children to do that horrible thing to them. You know, I think when I was growing up, there was a time in which it was understood that girls, for example, go through a period of being tomboys. My sister was a tomboy for like a, a like a little while. She grew up at first like she was very like feminine and then she went through a period where she wanted to, you know, like a phase where she wanted to like skateboard and wear, you know, kind of like boys clothes. And then she went back to being feminine and that was normal, you know, but this movement is about pushing people away from normal and away from um, thinking about things slowly and having open and honest dialogue and just, it's all about money. At the end of the day, this whole trans movement is about money it's about these sick doctors making money off of poor confused children or rich confused children and in a lot of cases because a lot of it you see these wealthy people you know sacrificing their children for the um you know for social uh status and for clout and i think a lot of people are waking up to it and a lot of and at the same time, a lot of that a lot of people are waking up to these things. A lot of people, the there's still a lot of pushback, and that is normal. I think another thing that has been really um, great to see in the last couple of weeks, and um, if, this reminds me a lot of um, the, I'm pretty sure it was the Asbury Ashbury uh, um, awakening, and there's a lot of people praying at a church. And uh, I'm pretty sure it was in Tennessee or Kentucky. And people were praying there and just worshiping for, for days and days and days on end. And there's been an awakening. There's been an awakening happening. I've seen, you know, there was, Kat Von D was like, hey, I'm all about Jesus right now. And, you know, she went from being like a pagan or like a witch or whatever she used to be um, to full-on loving loving Christ and that's and more and more people like there, there was a time when I was growing up again this is not that long ago in the 90s where that was normal people talked about Christianity people like that was like the norm you know like some of the things that you would ask people back then was like hey what's your name where are you from which church do you go to you know and that was a normal thing to ask people back then now it's not <laughs> Now we have this like misnomer of um, separation of church and state, and but the the church and has been just replaced with this church of I don't even know what you call it. It's just sickness. It's this LGBTQ flag that for some reason can get raised in the state capital, you know, even though. The only other flag that can be raised there is the POW flag. You know, good luck raising a cross there, you know, or or uh, 
Jewish star, but for some reason that this, and I'm pretty sure that was a point brought up by this podcast I was listening to this week by um, Judge Joe Brown, and that's like a, a, an amazing point, is good luck flying a, a, a flag with a cross in lieu of the transgender flag and the, the uh, LGBT whatever flag. Good luck. See what happens. So in one sense, there's a lot of awakening happening. And it's happening slowly and surely. But make no mistake that they have already made, that the other side has already made such tremendous advancements over the last 30 years that it's going to take quite a bit of effort to deprogram people and get them back to at least a state of normal. Because they've been getting pumped with like, you know, just the most horrific types of propaganda. And and I'm not immune to it. No one's immune to it. I know I went through periods of my life when I was, you know, I just sort of thought that that was normal. Um, and it took, you know, it took quite a number of, you know, people who are very influential thinkers and people who think outside the box and have creative ways of looking at these problems for me to be like, yeah, you know what, why, why do I think that? Or why is that considered normal when it's not? And we need to just keep pushing that. We need to keep moving forward with that line of thinking and to and to destigmatizing what used to be normal. And I think Elon Musk did a really good job of that with that criticism of of um, you know with and you know you call the timing what you want to call the timing, but we should we should still be able to speak truth and speak plainly and. Uh, have that freedom of speech. And I think it's really ironic to have Islamic groups and leftist groups, um, communists, going out and speaking about the destruction of Israel and literally saying things like gas the Jews, like like straight out of like Nazi Germany handbook like rhetoric, and then they having the nerve to turn around and calling a guy like Elon Musk who's just, you know, pitching fair criticism as as a anti-semitic or using or or um equating language that Donald Trump used as saying like oh you know the antifa people are vermin and utilize or or equating his language and you know making parallels with him and Hitler when you literally have people on their side saying gas the jews the level, the level of double-think that is occurring with these people is astounding. The, the cognitive dissonance is so profound that they literally are making excuses for Hamas and saying, like, oh, these people are just you know, freedom fighters or whatever. And they're saying gas the Jews, that they want to eliminate Israel and kill all the Jews in, in on earth, which is literally what Hitler wanted to do. And they're saying that people that are just taking mild positions of open and fair criticism or even just using a word as that and not being able to look inward and look with whom they are allies. And yeah, I think that's pretty disturbing behavior. Um, so again, like who broke who broke America? I think unquestionably it was... It was Barack Obama and and George Bush, like sort of like working hand in glove. They worked. They broke America in different facets, 
in that era of 16 years of eight years of Bush, eight years of Obama, really sent America down a spiral of from which that we are just trying to recover from. And from Bush, we broke America because of the wars. I mean, the war in Afghanistan was uh, a just war that we were trying to, you know, do essentially what Israel is trying to do in, um, in Gaza right now. Um, it's a heavy-handed approach, but sometimes you have to have a heavy-handed approach when you're dealing with people that want to murder you. And then also, um, there was, but there was also the war in Iraq and the economic uncertainty that led to the recession, the a really big recession in 2007, 2008. And that led to the rise of Barack Obama. And I remember during that time that there was like this fervor of um, cult of personality that was surrounding that man because he was sort of like this like antithesis answer, uh, like a synthetic answer to, um, to Bush. And part of me looks back on that time and thinking that that is somewhat, that that was, must have been manufactured. That you have Bush, who is this charismatic, but um, not all there uh, president, and yeah, he has, he's charismatic. He has some good qualities to him, but you know, he 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 had a lot of really bad things that happened during his presidency. And um, the culture shift went from one of like Republicans being like a you know sort of con- like a you're like you're just, you're just your standard conservative, um, almost like your like your dad kind of a figure to a war hawk, like a person that is just going to start wars and blowing up the world just for, just for this, the fun of it, you know? And it wasn't just Bush. It was also Dick Cheney that people like really thought of these guys as mass murderers and they, that they had lied about the war in Iraq, which proved to be true that they did lie about the war in Iraq and the, um, and the weapons of mass destruction thing. So all of these things happen and people in America at this point in time especially start to look for the opposite. And I remember Obama's rhetoric being such that it was it was just so lovely. It was so well packaged and and so well put together and people threw him into office and they loved him and any sort of criticism that was levied against the man or any kind of um, questions about like where he came from were regarded as like conspiracy theories. But all these years later, there's so many things that are about this man that are just weird. And first I want to get into that because I can go into like how I think he broke America. But it's important, I think, to understand what this guy, Judge Joe Brown, was talking about when he was doing the PVD podcast earlier this week when he started going into this man's background. Now, there's lots of things that I've learned about this man's background that are just very troubling. And some of it is conspiratorial, but some of it is just, like, not. <laughs> some of it is not conspiratorial. One is that he was he's most likely a homosexual. Um, there's plenty of things that you can look up in, ter- in terms of that with his relationship with this guy, like Larry Sinclair. But there's also letters that he wrote to his... 
his girlfriend at the time when he was living, I think, in Hawaii, where he he talked about about having fantasies, daily fantasies of of sex with men. And like normally, I wouldn't be like my business or something that I would actually like even care about. But it just plays into an overall um, idea of this guy being not who he says he is. So his own brother, quote, quote unquote, Malik Obama, who I'm not sure where he lives. I think he's still um, I think he's still in Kenya. But at any rate, he believes that Obama is not the son of his father, that he had a that he had a different father. And his behavior, he said that his behavior suggests that he really only used the name Obama um, and this maybe affair that his that his mother might have had with um, his dad or Barack Obama's da- uh, mother with Malik Obama's dad uh, when she was living in Hawaii. And that's pretty troubling because he... I remember during that time like the, his family was something that he really pushed in order to show that he was going to be a great unifier, that he was half black, half white, and um, that this family life that he had was a great source of pride for him. And the lessons that he had learned from his father were going to be instrumental in um, unifying and bringing America together. He didn't do any of those things. And it's really interesting to, to see, especially from his own half-brother, that his half brother doesn't think that they're actually family. That the only time that he ever uh, had a, any sort of relationship with him was when they were doing um, the campaign. And then you co- go to look into his his um, his life that he grew up with uh, when he was in Indonesia, and some new facts that I had learned about his stepfather Lolo Satoro. So for most of Obama's life, he went by Barry Satoro. So his mother remarried um, or got married to um, Lolo Satoro in Indonesia. And apparently Lolo, Lolo Satoro was being investigated for war crimes, for committing genocide in that area uh, when he was, I think, a major. And he had worked with the, the Bush family um, in the CIA during that time. And that was a lot of the new, the, some of the, um, the conspiracies that people were floating about the Obama family and in particular, the mother, and then this gentleman that was most likely the actual biological father, as um, said by his second, his uh, half brother Malik, that Barack's uh, most likely his real biological father was a man named Frank Marshall Davis, who was a communist um, pornographer, and that his mother had engaged in pornography with him, and that was most likely how he became. And once you start thinking about all these things about Obama, his real life in terms of like who he actually presented himself to be makes more sense than the fairy tale that they had spun up during the campaign. Because there's nothing weirder than the photos of him with uh, Erdogan, the, the president of Turkey, that when they embrace each other, that they look at each other like, like lovers like actual, like homosexual lovers. And his love of communism makes sense if his father was an actual communist. Because it's very clear when you see the photos of him and um, when he's in Cuba and he's at the uh, the Mark Square with 
photos of Che Guevara and he's with Raul Castro and he feel he looks like he's at home. Like he's more at home there. You know, if you compare the photos of him with Raul Castro than with him in Japan when he's making apologies for the United States actions during the, the Second World War, that he seems more like a communist than an American president, like a person that actually represents this country. And his behavior suggests that, you know, again, when I was watching um, the movie uh, Oppenheimer, his behavior of homosexual behavior and his lifestyle makes more sense if he is a communist because communists during that time have a very, and even now have a, especially now rather have a very openly like open sexual relationship, open mindset to things too open that they open and expose themselves to so many different um, harmful ways of life. And, all of that behavior really shows who this man was and why the media would attack anybody so so strongly if they levied any sort of um, criticism or going into this man's um, background. And as many people have suggested, there was a lot of, if so many people probably remember this birther movement, this um, idea that Perhaps Obama was born in Kenya and not in the United States. And I think that was not, as um, his half-brother Malik explained, I think the the illegitimacies surrounding his birth certificate were not such that they were surrounded around his place of birth, but rather who his actual biological father was, which really we had discussed as most likely this man based off of what we had recently learned over the last few years was a man named Frank Marshall Davis. So all these new things are coming out about Obama that he had written letters to his girlfriend at the time, which I don't know who, who writes these, who writes to their girlfriend that they have homosexual uh, fantasies is just bizarre. And you, I mean, not to mention the fact that he calls his wife, his husband on many occasions and calls her Michael, but that's, that's a different issue. But Gathering all this around, all this data around, and all this circumstantial evidence suggests that Obama, at minimum, was not who he said he was. And could be something much more sinister and manufactured than just, you know, the the first black president. Um, so keeping all that in mind, his presidency makes much more sense because there wasn't just... Not only did he not do anything that he said that he was going to do, but he did in a lot of ways the opposite. He didn't do any of the... If, if he took the liberal standpoint from that time, the liberal standpoint was much more much more closely related to... Um, I, you could almost call it like libertarianism, where he had all these criticisms about uh, Guantanamo Bay, said that he wanted to shut it down, still open, um, that he wanted to reduce the size of the um the the uh the intelligence community community state like the uh apparatus that spies on americans that grew exponentially under him um the wars expanded the wars became more the wars became so bad that we are just now starting to see the repercussions of the mass exodus and migration of 
the third world into Europe, Western Europe, and into the United States, where a war kicks off in Israel, and you have half a million, I'm sorry, hey, a half a million people protesting in London, and people protesting and causing all sorts of uh, property damage in the United States. And these things would not have happened 20, 30 years ago. If there was a war in Israel, when there was wars back in, in Israel during that time with uh, the Palestinians, you might have seen protests, but they were mostly relegated to college campuses. They weren't these mass demonstrations that you see all over the West, where people are literally, uh, in, uh, particularly in Sweden, Germany, France, the UK, there's literal like in a like de facto no go zones where the where the um, the local police just won't go because the um, the Islamic communities have moved in there into such degree that they don't feel they don't even feel safe going into those communities and breaking up the demonstrations. Okay, so we take all these things into account, and you have this cult of personality, this fervor, the media support. And the hordes of um, third world uh, people coming in from the Middle East, uh, South America, and coming into the West uh, during through the wars and the destabilization in the Middle East that occurred during his administration. But you also have this really sinister, like rubber stamp over leftist ideology that I think is only lately being broken because Donald Trump was a direct reaction to that man. There was enough people that were sick of his race baiting that anytime that there was a shooting, which there seemed to be a lot more shootings under his presidency than any other presidency. There was like a mass shooting like every other month when he was the president. That was kind of weird. Um, And during those mass shootings, like clockwork, this this guy would come out and lecture Americans about the Second Amendment, and if you, as a as as a constitutional law professor, he should know that the Second Amendment is a Bill of Rights, is part of the Bill of Rights, and you can't negate any one of the Bill of Rights. There's no amendment that you can make to amend the Bill of Rights. You can make amendments to amend other amendments. For example, there was the um, amendment that um, was a, um, sorry, I'm th- trying, struggling to think about it. It was a pro- prohibition amendment. So there was, a pro- there was an amendment in the Constitution that outlawed alcohol. And this was, I'm pretty sure for a period of time, about 10 years, that alcohol was illegal in the United States. And there was another amendment that repealed that amendment. But that's because the amendment was not part of the Bill of Rights. That is to say, it was not part of the first ten amendments. Those cannot be repealed, no matter what. So anybody that keeps pushing this thing about how we, like like Obama and Biden, how we need to do something about the Second Amendment, they're just, they're either dumb or they're lying to you. Or they want to fundamentally change what this country is all about and then destroy the Bill of Rights. So it's one of the three, I guess. But anyways, during this administration, like clockwork, anytime that there was a shooting, this guy would come out, lecture Americans about this, about their liberties and about their freedoms and their rights and how they shouldn't have them. 
And everyone was just like, oh, yeah, this guy is so great. And he's so lovely. And he's so amazing. And then you have the, uh, you know, this guy not focused on the economy, not focused on, you know, protecting, you know, American interests. All he's really interested in is um, whenever there's a shooting happens, that he, that he pops off on TV and makes his crocodile tears. The other thing that he's really interested in is gay rights. And as a homo, if he was a homosexual man, that makes a lot more sense, right? Because I remember that the, again, could you imagine, this guy is a supposedly a Christian. None of his behavior suggests that he's a Christian. Not, none of his behavior suggests that he's a Christian. Uh, again, I couldn't imagine a, uh, a cross being raised at the, at the White House, but I do remember the day that, that, um, gay marriage became a um, law of the land that the whole uh, White House was, the you know, the rainbow flag. And then you also have his terrible um, border policies that led to many Border Patrol agents being killed in the um, now known as Operation Fast and Furious, which his administration was caught, being, uh, caught running guns and drugs via the Mexican cartels over the border and um, many of those weapons that the United States government was giving to the Mexican cartels were then used on Border Patrol agents, and um, some of them were, were actually murdered. So just a really, really terrible eight years of that man. And Trump, like I said, Trump came along as a direct response because I think during his first four years wasn't really that bad. I mean, I hadn't even discussed the whole oh, Obamacare thing. And um, and how abortion became de facto like rubber stamp during his during his administration too. Again, there's this overall rubber stamping. Um, this is the way forward. This is the thinking that we are are going with. All of these horrible ideas and horrible stances and political views were pushed forward because of this man. It's like almost, again, like how the media operates now. If you want to do the right thing, you do the exact opposite of what these people want you to do. In any event, Trump comes along and his whole presidency is under investigation or even his campaign is under investigation illegally by Obama. And um, and I think it's important to recognize as we go forward with the Biden administration that we go to going into 2024 that we see all of the tremendous strides and the new um, the new levels of thought, dialogue, discourse that we can now have and the, and how Christianity and um, is more and more being accepted and not denigrated in public square that we take a look at these uh, achievements and look back at where we were back in 2012. 2014 because it wasn't as great as we think as we can sometimes um, think back to and although 2023 you know has had a, a lot of setbacks because of the Biden administration we've also had a lot of victories in the in the culture and religion and um, faith but also mainly in that in that cultural sphere 
um, where people's values and people's understanding of what's actually been going on is more and more accepted. All right, so I left you guys a lot to chew on for this week, so I'm going to wrap it up over here. And um, we'll be talking about some new things, new developments that have been going on. And um, thank you guys for tuning in.